0: And welcome back to the Exxon, everyone. Matthew Alper is my guest this hour, Exxon Nation. Now, from the dawn of our species, every culture has communicated through a spoken language. We do this because in our brains there are specific parts that have evolved which enable us with this capacity. Similarly, from the dawn of our species, every culture has maintained a belief in some form of spiritual reality. Now, might this be indicative of the fact that human spirituality must represent an inherent uh, characteristic of our species? That is, a genetically inherited trait? Are humans hardwired to believe in the concepts of a god, a soul, and an afterlife? Are um, Are what we call spiritual religious experiences, strictly physiological in nature, the effects of our brain's chemistry? Does God really exist out there, beyond uh, beyond, and independent of us? Or are our beliefs merely the consequences of an inherited human perception, the manifestation of an evolutionary adaptation, a coping mechanism that emerged in our species to enable us to survive our unique and otherwise debilitating awareness of death? Well, joining me this hour to help me put some qu- answers to these questions is Matthew Alper, and he is the author of "The God Part of the Brain." And Matthew, welcome back to the Exxon. Great having you with us.
3: Thanks for having me back on,
0: Matthew. What initially compelled you to write a book such as this?
3: Well, uh, like like most people, you know, I was a little bit confounded by my mortality,
0: mm-hmm.
3: and uh, rather than just sort of accepting what people were saying around me—that you know, well, we're all going to be joined up in heaven one day, and our souls are going to float to another place. Since there wasn't, didn't seem to be that much empirical proof on the matter, I wanted to look a little deeper and try to get to the bottom of it and kind of figure out, like, well, am I immortal, you know, here to exist for all eternity, or am I a purely physical being, and once I die, that's the end of my existence? I thought that was an important enough question to Try to get to the bottom of. So I spent almost a lifetime researching world religions, mm-hmm. uh, science, philosophy, whatever it would take to try to figure out if, if indeed it was possible to figure out. You know, is there a re- Is there does a spiritual reality exist? Is there a god, or is there something else going on that? seems to be compelling our species to believe in one from the beginning of our of our time.
0: Do you think that people are asking this question more and more and more these days than they did, let's say, five, ten years ago?
3: I think that this question has been asked pretty consistently from the dawn of our species. Homo sapien is around 100,000 give or take this years cool. old. Um, I think ever since we sort of you know, evolved and became, you know, came to exist. Uh, we're pretty much the same animal we were then. And as far back as our, our origin, we were aware of our own mortalities. And I think that humans have been asking these questions from the dawn of our, of time.
0: So is it safe to say that if they're still asking these questions, the question has not yet been answered?
3: Well... Um, as I see it, mm-hmm. you know, with the help of my book, the God part of the brain, I believe actually there finally is an explanation uh, that might make sense of the matter.
0: All a right, viable wait,
3: wait. and physical explanation.
0: All right, let's just hold it right there. I've got to take a break. Explanation. Matthew Alper is our very special guest for this hour. www.godpart. Dot com And Matthew and I will be back on the other side of this break as we continue here in the exome from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Don't go away.
3: By donating at www.holisticcancerfoundation.com.
4: Hello, I'm Pete Marsh. With my daughter Justina, we will be presenting the new radio show, Too Good to Be True. If something seems too good to be true, it usually is. But with the help of Justina's amazing gifts, we're going to gain insight into questions that don't yet have complete answers.
2: You have the chance to change the lives of these American heroes. Songs and Stories for Soldiers.us provides free MP3 players for these men and women. With a list of 3 million songs in 16 different styles, 100,000 audiobooks, and 30,000 old-time radio programs,
0: So uh, Matthew Alper is our special guest, www.godpart.com. Can you explain the premise uh, of the idea of a god, the, the god part of the brain?
3: Sure. Um, well, sort of as you, you know, briefly went into it in your intro, mm-hmm. um, the first clue for me that we might possess such a thing uh, came in the fact that I was studying a science called sociobiology. And basically, according to, you know, pretty standard genetic science, if there's, a, if there's a trait that's universal to any species, there must be a genetic precursor. So, for instance, the fact that all cats have tails or whiskers or all humans have a nose in the middle of their face. Obviously, this isn't an accident. This is because it's written in our chromosomes. We're Mm -hmm. built this way. As we develop as embryos, we all come out with more or less the same physical characteristics because we're genetically predisposed to to do so. The same universal law applies to behaviors. So, for instance, the fact that all cats meow or dogs bark or beavers build dams uh, or humans have language, again suggesting that it's not an accident. If you took a kitten away from its mother at birth and raised it by humans, it's still going to grow up to meow, meaning it's not a learned behavior, it's an inherited instinct that was built into the animal. Since all behavior is generated from the brain, in the case of cats, that would suggest that somewhere in all cats' brains, there's a very specific region, what we could call the meow part of its brain a very specific area made up of a connecting series of synapses that's responsible for generating that particular behavior, meowing. If a cat suffers damage to that part, it'll lose its ability to meow. So let's take, for instance, in the case of humans, every human culture has language. Uh, it's part of our nature. We could say humans are a linguistic animal. Now, with the help of neuroscience, we now know but that's because there are specific regions in the brain, language parts of the brain, that give us this ability. There's the Wernicke's area, the Broca's area, the angular gyrus. If we damage one of these parts, we'll lose some aspect of our linguistic ability, the ability to either comprehend language or to communicate it. So I applied that principle to the fact that every human culture, from the dawn of our species, no matter how isolated has believed in some form of a spiritual reality, has believed in some type of a transcendental realm with, with spiritual entities, you know, gods, as we might call them, um, suggesting that again, this is a universal trait, thus prompting me to want to research the possibility that perhaps this too is an inherited instinct, just like with language or music or our math abilities, et cetera. Um, So, in realizing that there's this universality in our species to believe in some form of a transcendental reality, I started researching into whatever brain science was out there, and I found that there's been research done putting people, for instance, in MRIs while they're meditating or praying, having some type of a religious experience, and regardless of what religion you believe in, what God you pray to, they found the same things are happening in the brain. So basically suggesting that there are parts of the brain that generate our spiritual and religious sort of capabilities or per- these perceptions that we have. Um, so for me, you know, immediately I thought, well, then maybe it's an evolutionary adaptation, which is why any part of our, you know, physiology exists, our language parts, et cetera. So I had to think to myself, okay, well, what would be the point of this? Why might our species have, have evolved such an abstract trait as to believe in a, a transcendental reality? Um, and as I thought, well, what makes, us, what makes our species unique from the others? The thing that stood out to me the most was humans possess self-conscious awareness. We're the only animal that is aware of our own existences. Now, this was a very beneficial evolutionary adaptation to emerge in our species. It made us the most powerful species on Earth because it enabled us the power of self-modification. So, for instance, unlike any other animal, let's say we get hit with another ice age. Rather than, unlike any other species on Earth that would have to passively just sort of sit back and wait to evolve over thousands if not millions of years let's say a thicker coat of fur through the process of natural selection humans can say i am cold and we can sew ourselves a coat within an hour if we deem that it would be to our advantage to fly we don't have to again sit back and wait for evolution to do its thing and maybe in 10 million years develop wings we can make ourselves a pair and fly so basically, we have the ability now to sort of adapt to any environment without having to rely on natural selection to do so, um, which has enabled us to basically dominate the Earth the way that we, we have. On the flip side, however, the drawback was it made us the first animal to become aware of our own, the possi- we became aware of our existence and with that became aware of the possibility of our own non-existence. We became the only animal to be aware of our own inevitable death. We became, in essence, the first existential animal, the first animal to realize that it's going to die, and moreover, there's nothing we can do about it. So whereas other species are wired for fight or flight, Mm -hmm. humans are aware that there's nowhere to run, and there's nothing to fight. We could build the Biggest fort in the in the world, and it won't protect us from death. So here we are suffering this horrible anxiety, this crippling horrible awareness that we're all going to die. That all everyone we love or care for is going to suffer death. So I believe that the forces of natural selection, in order to help us cope with that painful awareness, basically uh, modified our brain. By evolving these coping mechanisms that compel us to believe in some form of a transcendental reality, of a spiritual reality, compelling us to feel that even though we know the physical body will perish, Mm -hmm. we now have this comforting sort of sensibility built into us that there's this spirit or soul, which is a word that exists in every culture. It's a universal concept that will basically persevere beyond physical death. So, ultimately, I believe that it's an evolutionary adaptation, a coping mechanism that was selected into our species to make us a more survivable organism in light of our unique awareness of death.
0: So, we taught ourselves how to lie to ourselves?
3: We didn't teach ourselves anything. It was built into us.
1: Do so just build, like we, who...
3: didn't teach, we didn't teach ourselves to communicate through language. It was part of our hardware. Everything that's universal to us was part of our hardware. We didn't, we didn't train ourselves. Now, no one's born speaking French or English or Russian, but we're all born with parts of our brain that have the template to put together sounds that make words that, you know, that basically represent objects, which is the basis of language.
0: So is, is, this, is this evolution or creationism?
3: So this is this is pure evolution. I mean, to me, creationism is based on a comic book. I don't believe in creationism. And creationism, you'd have to identify which one, because every world religion has a creation myth. So to me, those are comic books. Now this is all evolutionary theory. This is over the course of the evolution of basically the hominid lines, mm-hmm. which were the lines of primates starting from, you know, basically... Uh, You know, the first apes that started to evolve over the course of approximately 12 million years, uh, the hominid lines that led to the origin of Homo sapiens in our species. So we're talking strictly evolutionary theory here.
0: Okay, it's a theory. So why should we take any notice of something that's a theory that hasn't been proven?
3: Well, here's the the thing. First of all, it has been proven, and I, I will go into all of the scientific research that's been done but as far as science goes everything is referred to as a theory there's only four laws in science and those are the laws of thermodynamics but everything else is referred to as a theory so for instance the theory of electricity yeah it's a theory but it's the reason that you and i can talk on the telephone right now it's the reason that there are lights in my room and i'm assuming Mm. in your studio as you speak so anything that's Considered science is referred to as a theory, just because scientists don't like to be presumptuous. Because all it would take, for instance, you know, there's the theory that the Earth revolves around the Sun, Mm -hmm. so the Sun, you know, rises in the East and sets in the West. Nevertheless, all it would take is one instance of it being the opposite, and suddenly there goes that physical law. So we don't refer to them as laws, we refer to all of our science as theory but all of these theories have been tried and tested I mean you know we could talk about genetic theory but you know we can go we can get genetic testing now to find out if we have a predisposition for certain cancers mm-hmm. or diabetes et cetera. as a matter of fact all of the biological sciences all of the sciences that we rely on when we go to the doctor or the hospital to save our lives is based in genetic theory, and genetic theory is based in evolutionary theory. So again, it's a theory until the doctor sort of fixes the valve in your heart and you get to live another 20 years. So as theoretical as it might be, it actually works. And in regard to the theory that I'm promoting that we are hardwired to believe in some form of a spiritual reality as a coping mechanism Uh, Perhaps we'll have time in the next segment, but I'd be happy to lay out the research that's being done, the very hard scientific research that is suggesting that this is the case, that there are parts of our brain that, that compel us to have these experiences, and that it's all neurophysiological in nature, all neurochemical.
0: So who was it who originally programmed us to have this concept?
3: Well, again, if one believes in evolutionary theory, there is no creator. There is there is no there is no no one. Mm-hmm. Um, there's just the forces of nature. So the same forces that cause the you know planets to spin around one another, that cause the creation of life in general, you know, has caused the evolution of the various species. The, Science sees it over the course of 3.2 billion years. The Earth is 4.5 billion years old. It took about 1.3 billion years of the Earth cooling down before the first macromolecules began to form. All right, Matthew, we've but got to take our please.
0: news break. Please stand by. Exonation. Matthew Alpers, our guest, www.godpart.com. I'll be back on the other side of this break. Don't go away.
1: If you If you had just one question and yeah, yeah,
5: God. Dreams are our personal gateways into infinite wisdom. Don't miss shamanic counselor and indigenously trained dream Decoder Sandra Corcoran's inspiring book, Shamanic Awakening Between the Dark and the Daylight. This remarkable work chronicles Sandra's 35 years of experience with diverse wisdom keepers and her initiations throughout the Americas and across the British Isles, Turkey, Greece, and Egypt. Sandy's knowledge of symbology, psychology, and myth influence her dream blog and workshops. Sandy offers private tarot readings, international journeys, a meditative CD, as well as her book, Shamanic Awakening, to encourage you as you navigate this earthwalk, creating a deeper connection to yourself and all that is. Find this and more at Sandy's website, StarWalkerVisions.com.
1: This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media,
0: Thank you all for our guest this hour, Exonation. www.godpart.com So, if this is a hard wiring that has evolved with our evolution as a species, are there other are there other hardwired um, examples that we have of this type of hard wiring? For example, could our could our lust for war be part of this hardwiring? And if it is, what chance do we have for peace?
3: Um, Well, I mean, I believe all human instincts are hardwired because, again, where else would they have come from? So our capacity for love is hardwired, as they now know with scientific research and doing neuro-research and studying the brain. We know, for instance, that, you know, love, the experience of love, comes from Specific regions in the brain, and some people have a higher capacity, just like some people with music. Mm -hmm. Some people have a higher capacity for musical talent. Some people are born tone deaf. In the case of love, for instance, some people are born incapable of the experience of love, just because their brains are, just because of genetic variants, lack that capacity. So... So... as far as the impulse for war i mean that's a little more complicated but what we do have is an impulse for tribalistic behaviors basically to identify sort of this notion of us versus them mm-hmm. which is why the world over everyone wants to have a flag everyone wants to say i'm part of this nation or i'm part of this tribe and you know my tribe is better than your tribe and you know which is which often leads to war And in the case of religion, it leads often to religious war, because obviously if you, you know, if if your fence is abutting against your neighbor's fence and they're holding up a flag for a God that's different than yours to a certain extent, their religion is an insult to yours because it's basically, they're saying theirs is the true God and yours obviously therefore must be a fake one. So for this reason, you know, we've been, we've been, stuck in this this you know constant vicious cycle of ongoing religious war because we need to prove that our god is the real god because our immortality is based on it you know we all want to feel that we're living in truth and it's our neighbors with their strange Mm -hmm. customs that obviously are tribal and don't know what they're talking about but that's that's been the experience of the world from the beginning of religion.
0: So what, so, what is the ultimate goal we here? talk
3: about creationism as if sort of Judeo-Christian beliefs are the only beliefs that exist, but there were religions that predated Judeo-Christianity. I mean, the Greeks were fighting other cultures in the name of Zeus yeah. before there was even talk of a man named Jesus, before Christianity even existed. All right, so, so
0: what is the ultimate the ultimate goal here. Why is it so important to prove whether or not there is a God part of the brain?
3: Well, I mean, I guess to me, it's important to get to the bottom of things, to get to the truth of, of, our existences, regardless of whether it brings us, you know, news we want to hear or not. Um, for me, it's just a matter of finding fact. um, in in this particular case, uh, one could say, well, you know, a a, a belief like this, even if it can be scientifically validated through massive research, uh, you know, isn't particularly hopeful, because it's stealing hope from humanity. It's basically saying, oh, so all of our beliefs and all of these various gods Mm -hmm. are is basically the manifestation of something we've been born with that compels us to have these beliefs just to make us feel better. But it's not real. It's just a projection, which can be kind of depressing. At the same time, these same beliefs, again, have, have you know, contributed to a lot of destructive behaviors and a lot of wars. We're experiencing them right now. The world is basically at war, and it's a war of religion, you know, the Islamic faith wants to prove that it's the right, the true religion. So it's in the process of jihad, wanting to destroy the rest of the world. Yeah, but this this is nothing new. This, right
0: this is nothing new. This has been going on for hundreds of years.
3: So well, it's been going on for it's been going on for thousands of years. All right, so so big deal. It's as old as our species. All, all right, so
0: Matthew, what mm-hmm. you know? Instead yeah. of trying to prove there is no God, why doesn't science get off their high horse and prove, you know and solve the problems of the world that mean a lot to everyone. Pollution, hunger, disease, climate. Why don't they take well, listen,
3: care of that? Well, first of all, science is, science is proving all of these many, trying to, trying to deal with all of these many issues at once. I mean, you have environmentalist scientists, you have social scientists, you know, I mean, science, you know, is a broad spectrum And there are people devoting their lives to numerous sciences, and there are people involved in the neurosciences who are doing anything from, you know, brain cancer research Mm -hmm. to understanding, you know, the language centers of the brain. So, for instance, people who suffer a stroke, who lose their ability to what? You know what? I I appreciate
0: those kind of scientists, because they're doing a great deal of good for humanity. But what okay. good is this going to well, do? You're going to cause more problems than anything else. to Proving there is no God? Come on. Well, I, I,
3: I see it that way. To me, truth truth is greater and more powerful than any fiction. And if we, let's say, as a species came to accept, like, all right, you know what? Maybe this is all there is. Maybe we're just a human animal like every other animal on Earth, and we live and we die, and that's all we've got. But in the meantime, why don't we try to cohabitate? Why don't we realize we're all suffering the same pain, we're all dying the same deaths, and instead of fighting each other tooth and nail to the death to prove that our imaginary version of reality is the real one, maybe we could have more of like sort of a sort of united brotherhood of peace in embracing our humanity and our humanism as opposed to embracing fairy tales that teach us to hate our neighbor well, because they are the wrong color or the wrong religion mm-hmm. or their or their ritual is different from our ritual which makes them strange etc is it, is it, so, it sounds point, to me i think it, it, I,
0: hmm? it sounds to me that science is trying to prove there is no god so science can give the imp, you know give the impression that they are god because they solved the big mystery
3: no, there's no scientists out there that believes they're God. Science is just trying to get to the bottom of whatever truth might be out there so that we can better understand our place in the universe. Look, you could, you could say this about every scientific discovery that has contradicted, you know, religious beliefs. So, for instance, we go back a thousand years and the Church was touting that the Earth is the center of the universe and anyone who says otherwise gets burnt at the stake. And then you had a few smart people who put together these telescopes and started looking around and suddenly realized, like, hey, that's nonsense. We're not the center of the universe. As a matter of fact, we're spinning around the sun. And the first people to come out and say that were burnt at the stake or threatened to be, like Galileo, threatened to be burnt at the stake if he didn't renounce his beliefs. But now as a result of us understanding, again, our place in the universe It has led to all sorts of scientific discoveries. You know, we now have the capacity to send men to other planets. Mm -hmm. For whatever good that might do us or not, at least we now know the truth behind our reality. And personally, I'd rather know the truth of our reality. I'd rather know that we're a planet like all other planets spinning around the sun than to live in some fiction that tells me, that I'm that this planet is the center of the universe it doesn't move but the universe moves around us because we're so special because god made us that way mm-hmm. to me that's a fantasy so tell me so tell I, me
0: tell me what yes? was your what was your religious upbringing
3: uh, pretty much none i mean i was raised in a household that was very secular i was just taught to respect everyone's beliefs to, you know, be a good person, it didn't really matter who's God, what God. We didn't really believe in God. We weren't atheists. No, I'm, I'm the only one in my family who calls myself an atheist. My parents just didn't care. I mean, they're antique collectors. They're interested in history. They're mm-hmm. interested in taking, you know, con- drives through the country to find interesting artifacts and pieces of art. That's, that's their religion. Mm-hmm. So it really didn't play a role. Um, nevertheless, as I got older, I had philosophical questions. I wanted to get to the bottom of things. I wanted to know, like, well, is there a life after death? You know, is, are these stories that I'm being told about heaven and hell and gods and this one and that one, is it real? Should I be banking my life in it? Should I be making sacrifices to these entities, even if they're imaginary? And as I got older and started realizing, hmm, Things like Santa Claus and the Tooth Fairy obviously turned out to be fake. What if it's possible that these other fairy tales that people are telling are also fake? Do I want to spend my life as a grown-up? Like, again, imagine as a grown-up your religion was the religion of Santa Claus. Big deal. It doesn't hurt anyone. Big deal. As an adult, one could say, oh, well, great, you're stealing from these children. The belief that there's a man Santa Claus living in the North. What shore. is wrong? Doing, what is wrong? What is wrong?
0: What is wrong with people feeling happy about what they believe? And what gives you the right to piss on their parade?
3: Well, I'm, first of all, I'm not trying to piss on anyone's parade. I'm just offering a scientific explanation that can be supported with various data that might shed light on certain beliefs people have. Now, you know, people, you know, you might get angry at science, but you like to pick and choose what science you accept and what science you condemn. That's all right. I'm sure you're, um, and you, um, you know, the fact that you have a radio show, Mm -hmm. you wouldn't have a radio if it weren't for science. You wouldn't have electricity. You might have been dead at eighty. Oh, you know what? That is that is so right. That is so
0: right. That is so right. We would have we wouldn't have had the atomic bomb that killed hundreds of thousands if it wasn't for science. You know what? Science isn't everything it's made out to be.
3: Well, no one makes out to be anything. First of all, all science does is give is offer explanations to things that generally are based in fact, which is why we can build things like an atomic bomb. Now what our stupid species decides to do with the scientific technologies at our disposal, that's, that's up to us, and that's with our, in our own capacity. Science in itself is not evil. Humans who might be pushing a button that's killing people, but let me tell you, without the atom bomb, before there were atom bombs, there were sticks and stones, and humans were using them just as lethally. People have been killing each other by the millions. From the beginning of time. All right, I've going got to take to my break. State, Please stand by.
0: To... We'll be back on the other side of this break, Exo Nation, as we wrap up this hour here in the Exxon from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, Dunkelway. Hi everyone, Rob McConnell here, and I wanted to spend a moment on internet streaming. Everybody has heard about internet streaming, but not many know much about it. Did you know the internet streams just about everything? Movies. From new releases to old classics. TV shows. Almost every show, every episode, and much more. But the question has always been how do you do it? Well, now, thanks to the folks at 123 Ready TV, I have the answer for you.
1: angel broadcast network wiki broadcast network and wpbn tv for more information on the Zone broadcast network visit us at www.xzbn.net
0: Welcome back, everyone. Uh, Matthew Alpers, our guest for this hour, www.godpart.com. Uh, all right, so what do you expect to happen if this entire um, God part of the brain is proved to exist and that God is nothing than, more than a myth just like Santa Claus is? What does that accomplish?
3: Well, well I, have, well, I have a question for you. Let sure. let's say you had a forty-year-old son. I do. And you went in, and, and okay, and you went into his, you were visiting his home, and you mm-hmm. went into his bedroom one yeah. day, and you saw him sitting on his bed, whimpering. And mm-hmm. you said, "Son, what's what's wrong? Why are you why are you crying?" And he said, "Daddy, I, I lost a wisdom tooth the other day, and I put it under my pillow, and it's been sitting there for a week now, and I don't have a dollar." Now, would you feel your You have two options. You could say, well, you know what, it's the month of May, son, and I think that the tooth fairy doesn't work on May, and then that night slip in his room and put a dollar under his pillow, or would you, as you put it, quote, kiss on his parade and say, son, uh, you know, you're a grown man now. Mm -hmm. I hate to burst your bubble, but it was just something we told you as a kid, so, you know, kind of made you feel better when you lost the tooth. What, which would, I'm just curious, would you piss on his parade, as you put it, or would you would you perpetuate the lie and slip a dollar under his pillow that night?
0: Well, for one thing, my children are a hell of a lot smarter than that, number one. Number two, I didn't raise idiots who would sit on a bed and whimper. Okay, but
3: see, even as you're using the word idiots, you could use it as a metaphor for the human race that believes in the tooth fairy
0: as a metaphor we're not talking we're not talking Jews about we're not, talk, we're, not, about, other, we not we're not talking about
4: we are not hello
0: we're not talking about the tooth fairy here we're talking about something that millions upon millions upon millions of people believe in you sir in That's my right. opinion or any other person do not have the right to take that belief away from them
3: Listen, millions and millions of people used to believe in Zeus. Do you believe in Zeus? Do you believe who, in the ancient Greek god? Who
0: does it hurt? Who does it hurt? What's the crime? You know what? What's the big problem? Is it? Is it? Is, is, is it a self,
3: I'm not even suggesting whether. It, is suggesting is it a self a ego
0: thing? Is it not? a self ego thing I'm that looking, you can claim that? Wow, I brought down religion. Will that make you feel good?
2: I
3: don't understand what you're trying to do. My only goal is to offer people the option, scientific Mm -hmm. data and research that's being done that is showing that there are parts of our brain that just like there are parts of our brain that give us our language abilities Mm -hmm. or abilities to reason with math or to play an instrument, there are parts of our brain that compel us to have experiences Make us believe there are spiritual beings out there
0: okay so how so, how do you explain the people who claim to have had angelic visitations people in the twenty first century
3: how would you how would you explain people from other religions who would claim the same thing so let's say on you know in South America someone went into their church and they saw like a mother mary and blood was coming from her eyes mm-hmm. and that was her that was that person's vision you could say oh it's a miracle but let's now go to the middle east where someone goes to a mosque mm-hmm. and they see on a tapestry of allah blood dripping from the eye mm-hmm. or from a tapestry of one of the caliphates of the past blood dripping from their eye in their lives, it's a miracle. So? Now, obviously, the two different religions can't both be real. So just like Zeus wasn't real, at what point do we determine, because you have to realize, try, try to step beyond the bubble of America, of Western civilization that mostly embraces Judeo-Christianity, and realize that if you go to every corner of the world, Mm -hmm. I think there's a list, there's listed now, documented in, like, surveys, there's upwards of 6,000 belief systems on planet Earth. Big deal!
0: Big hmm? deal! Who cares?
3: Well, but but again, you're saying, what about these visions? So what if someone has a vision that they saw Zeus? Good for them! And it must have been real? Good for
0: them, it doesn't hurt me.
3: That's right, for them it's real. That's right, for them it's real. Right, exactly. For them it's real, so it's a subjective reality, but it's not based in anything real, real.
0: How do you know you weren't there? I wasn't okay, there.
3: Well, okay, well, if somebody, okay, if somebody comes out of the forest and says, "You won't believe what I saw. Zeus came down and threw a lightning bolt and it knocked a tree over." Now, you could say, hey, I'm going to be open-minded. Maybe that person's right. Maybe that is what happened, and I just didn't see it. I wasn't there. Personally, I'm a skeptic. I like science. Science likes to prove things. Science would send a team of investigators to go Uh, in there, maybe set up some cameras, say, hey, let's see if Zeus throws a thunderbolt tomorrow. And you know what? If if they sent investigative researchers around the world looking Mm -hmm. for Zeus throwing lightning bolts, and said, hey, we just made a discovery. Lightning doesn't come from Zeus. It comes from the accumulation of water particles up beyond the clouds that collect electricity and then make the, the Earth a, a lightning rod where it sends lightning strikes. And it's not Zeus at all. I tend to say, I'm going to go with this.
0: Oh, I can't take any more of this. I really can't. You know, I people who try and make themselves look good at the cost of other people's enjoyment, the other people's beliefs, I, I just can't take. I really can't. Like this guy here, he's, you know, he's, what's he got, Craig? A Bachelor of Arts in, Bachelor of Arts in, what? Craig, uh, find it for me. Bachelor of Arts in Philosophy. Wow. That's a real scientist for you. Not a master's, not a doctorate. You know, just imagine that. Wow, I I just can't believe this guy. Unbelievable. His goal in life is to make people miserable. And then people wonder why I have no respect for the scientists and the scientific community. They're all a bunch of morons. They are a total bunch of morons. Morons. They don't want to solve the problems that uh, everyday man faces. Like, you've got these scientists working at NASA. You've got the government pouring millions and millions and billions of dollars into the different scientific uh, causes that these so-called scientists are working on. To hell with Mars. To hell with the moon. Take care of the people of this planet first. You know, feed the hungry. Clothe the people who need clothes. Give everyone a shelter. Find out what's causing and fix climate change. Pollution. Now there's enough problems on this planet to solve without scientists doing nothing and now you've got people who want to be scientists, claim they're scientists, who think they're scientists, who want to destroy people's happiness. This man sounds like a very sad and bitter man to me. He really does. It's, it's for anyone to think like this, that science has the right to find the truth, he said, to find the truth. And then he comes up with this stupid example of a wisdom tooth with a 40-year-old. Get a life, mister. Get a life. You know, It's, it's nice to try and do something that is constructive. Get to the truth. I agree. But this religious, whether it's a myth, whether it's a belief, who cares what it is? I've seen people get comfort, strength from religion. People of all color All nationalities coming together in the name of religion. And you have a moronic idiot who claims he's a scientist with a Bachelor of Arts in Psychology or Philosophy, I'm sorry, Philosophy, who wants to have the claim and fame to prove that religion is all in the mind. Totally disgusting. Totally disgusting. Now I know why his parents spent so much time collecting antiques. It made more su- made more sense than staying at home, I would imagine. You know, if you want to be an atheist, go ahead, but don't don't ruin everybody else's belief system. You don't have that right, whether you're a scientist or not. Ah, people like him just annoy me. Exonation. Another one bites the dust here on the Exxon. Hey, I don't care if you're Christian, Jew, Buddhist, Zenist. I don't care if you're from Alpha Centuri. I don't care if you're a practicing member of Muslim Islam. Respect it. Respect each other. Respect each other's religion. Respect each other's philosophy. That's all it takes. I'll tell you something. I grew up in an international part of Montreal. I live in an international part of Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Mister, you've got it all wrong. Matthew Alper, no scientist. Matthew Alper, a man who's out to make something for himself. He doesn't care about anyone else.